You may be seated. There's something, and I told the first service that I get pretty nervous about speaking in front of people. Um, those who know me know that I like the back. I prefer not to be up front. But unfortunately, I have this gift, and it puts me in the front. So I, <laughs> I got to use it as a gift to gab, like it or not. But it is so easy to talk about uh, or to, to, to speak today because it's easy. You're talking about a man and woman of God like Mike and Kelly Saints, my spiritual parents, um, and, and not just spiritual parents, but friends. Quick story, we were, um, uh, uh, it was, uh, Shante and I had just started coming to the church, and we were at, uh, we had a life group. We just started life groups, and we were getting our life group together, preparing for our life group, and, uh, and no one knew it was my birthday that day of the meeting. And out of the clear blue, after the meeting, they had brought a cake and had my name, and I didn't even know them that well or anything. It had my name and everything on it, and I just broke down crying. I could not believe that, that they loved me enough to think, it, to think me important enough to, to make a birthday cake for me. That was a first. And I was speechless. I was speechless. You all know what I'm talking about? When somebody who you least expect would take the time to love you just a little bit, that's powerful. One of the things I, I admire them most about is not Pastor Mike's oratorical skills, even though he's probably the greatest white preacher I know in my whole entire life. <laughs> <laughs> heard that joke. Heard that joker preach some years ago at George Avenue Church of God, and I said, hey, then make no doggone sense for that white man to preach that way. <laughs> but but it's, not, it's not their, it's not those things, but it's their love. They literally love people. No, I mean for real. Some people pretend like they love you. You know what I mean? But they love you. And you know it and you feel it. You see? It, it, that's a rare thing. That is a very rare thing. And the scriptures say that men and women of God like that, they're worthy of double honor. Y'all, let's give them a hand. Come on. <laughs> Jesus, in, in his discourse, and uh, his disciples were talking with him, and he asked, um, you know, What's the, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart and love your neighbors yourself. He said, by this will men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. That's the key, man. Not all the tongues and the gifts and, you know, the prophecies. And the, people don't love you. People are only saying stuff to you so you could give them adulation. But when you know they love you genuinely, you know that's real. You know that's from God. You know what I mean? And so I thank God for the man and woman of God in this house, Pastor Mike and uh, Pastor Kelly Saints, for being my spiritual parents and for loving us when we needed love the most. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we're able to come before you and share your word, oh God. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this man and woman of God that we're honoring today. Father, I pray, God, that you give me the words to touch hearts and to honor them. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'd like to share a little bit of a story with you. Some years ago, a couple years ago, maybe two, three years ago, we were, uh, uh, I had the opportunity, Pastor asked to 
several of us, we wanted to go hunting with him. And, you know, me, I, I, you know, I got guns, so I like, you know, I, I like to hunt. You know, I want to hunt. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm down. I, or, you know, I, so, so I told Shante, you want to go too? Now, you know my wife, she don't do the hunting stuff. She's a city girl, you know what I mean? She is a city girl to the core. She don't do the hunting stuff and all that stuff. So we decided that we would go. And when, it was that afternoon, and along with that, we said we were going to do some skeet shooting or shooting some skeet. So Brother Glenn Warner had set it up, and we were going skeet shooting. And, uh, you know, so we all, uh, Shante and I, went out there to meet uh, on, uh, with, along with Sister Janice and, and uh, Brother Keith and young Brother Brad. We were all going out to uh, brother, a place Brother Glenn Warner keeps, and we were going to go uh, skeet shooting. So we went out there and had a good time. Shotguns, shotguns, all that stuff. We had a great time. But I tell you what, driving out there in the back of the woods, it was like forever. I mean, we were the back of these country roads, and, and we got off the dirt road, and, you know, we had the SUV with the rims and all that stuff. And Shante said, Sean, you sure we need to be going in, the, in these woods with these white folks? Ain't no telling. You know, she was looking for sheets to be hanging, and <laughs> y'all, I'm just saying. <laughs> so she was a nervous. We were a nervous nonetheless. Anyways, we made our way. We went skeet shooting and all that stuff. Had a great time. And then afterward, we went out for lunch. We uh, went to the little buffet restaurant in Folkestone and ate lunch, and uh, dark or dusk came, and we decided we were going to get ready to go hunting. So we got out there. It was a moonlit night, you know, probably a half moon or something like that, and we got out there, and... Uh, uh, we had Glenn Warner's pickup truck. Uh, Pastor and Glenn were in the front of uh, the pickup truck, and I, with Sister Terry Warren uh, and uh, Sister Kelly, and my wife Shante, were in the back of the pickup truck, and we were having a good old time, telling jokes. You know, don't, don't mind them. They, they, we like to have a good time. You know, they, Pastor Mike, them, they love to have a good time. So we were in the back of the pickup truck, you know, just moseying, moseying along, and we got off the main road, and then we went onto the dirt road, and then we went in the back where I guess the stands were and, or where the hog feeders were and everything. And it was not, uh, we were going hog hunting because it really wasn't uh, deer season. You know, deer was out of season. And if you all know the laws of the state of Georgia, you don't shoot deer when it ain't deer season. You know what I mean? Because they'll come to get you. You get locked up. You go, you know, there's a fine, you know, probably go to jail and all that stuff and everything. So we went out there and we went, uh, we went on this trip. So Pastor Mike and Brother Glenn were in the front of the truck, and all of a sudden, Pastor Mike just shouts out from the front, Deer! I was like, what in the world? He got out and went, blah, blah, in the middle of the, just shot after the deer, you know, and shot in the distance of the deer. And Sister Kelly blurts up, Mike, what are you doing? And he just shot after the deer. So we, all of a sudden, these blue lights <laughs> begin to flash in the back of us. And my first inclination was, oh, Lord, we gone. We're, <laughs> it's over. Pastor Mike, caring for the flock and caring about his membership and loving us so much and his wife and everybody, jumps up jumps out of the truck and, and goes running off in the woods. <laughs> he, he left us there 
to deal with the man with the flashing blue lights. And so it was, oh, Lord, what have we got ourselves into? I'm to the front of the truck. I was standing outside the front of the truck and I had my rifle with me. I took the rifle and I threw it in the dirt underneath the hood of the truck. I'm in the front of the truck, my wife's on the back of the truck, Shante's in the back, Sister Kelly's in the back, Sister Terry Warner's on the back, and out comes this big old officer from the Department of Natural Resources, big old guy, wearing his uniform, and he said he wants to know who shot that gun, who shot the gun. And so he pulls Brother Glenn Warner out and starts talking to him and asking him who shot that gun, and Brother Glenn Warner just acting just the devil, that's just what he is, I'm just going to say it. Lucifer brother, he said, starts, you know, starts to go off on the officer and say, well, I ain't shot no gun. I ain't know who shot nothing. I ain't shot nothing. I mean, I ain't done nothing. I mean, you know, then I'm in the front of the truck now, on the, you know, in the front, Glenn's in the back by the tail. I'm in the front, and uh, Pastor uh, Sister Kelly and Shantae, my wife, on the, right over there on the back of the truck, and Shantae's just saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. <laughs> That's, what she, that's all she had. <laughs> Sister, Ke Sister Kelly freaking out. Sister Terry wanted just, she in another world. And then I guess the DNR, DNR officer must have put the handcuff on Glenn Warner. And he put him on the back of the car. And Sister Terry blood said, you can't shackle my husband. <laughs> so he's sitting there shackled. Then it's my turn. Now I'm in the front of the truck and I'm just, I'm scared, I'm just, I'm just gonna tell you, I'm scared. And I'm sweating, pouring like Jesus was in the garden. I'm sweating bullets. You know, I'm sweating, so I sweat, I'm sweating, and I mean, I'm just so nervous. And he said, you, come here. And I'm like, yes, sir. And I said, I went there, went around to the back of the car, and he, I guess he told me to put my hands in the back of the car. And you know, I'm a black man, so I just assumed the position, I ain't, <laughs> I ain't getting shot for nobody. <laughs> I know what they do to us. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, I'm, so I'm like, and I saw Brother Glenn one of them handcuffs. I was like, oh, Lord, if they doing that to him, ain't no telling what's going to happen to me. And he said, sir, who shot that gun? Y'all, I'm kidding. I, my mouth was hung open. I'm going to ask you. Uh, Ax began, he kept on asking, who shot that gun? I couldn't say nothing. I just, I was, uh, uh, uh. And then he started saying stuff like, well, we get the units on the way and the dogs are coming. I'm like, oh, Lord. I'm just thinking about my pastor in the woods. And, and these, these images of, you know, you ever watch them scene, that scene from Cops, where the helicopter's overhead? and the dogs coming out, and they trying to find the man in the woods. All I'm thinking is, oh, Lord, we're going to be on cops, and pastor going to get, the snakes going to get him in the woods, the alligator going to get him, they going to tear him up. Oh, Lord, they going to kill my pastor. Shantae, in her head, she's thinking, how in the world did I let these white folks get me into this stuff right here? I just took a new job as an assistant principal, and one of the things that, you know, I haven't even started the job yet is like, you know what us educators, if we get like arrested or something, you over, you done, your job gone, you know? So I, I can see my whole life flashing through the back of my head. 
So I'm on the back of the car, and I'm telling Brother Glenn Warren, my life is over. My life is over. <laughs> then all of a sudden, in the crack of my eye, I see him smiling. And then the officer, after questioning me for such a long time, he started smiling too. And I said, what's going on here? Then he started laughing. Pastor Mike runs out of the woods and starts laughing and cackling. And I'm like, I ain't cackling right now. <laughs> I'm not laughing. <laughs> you know. So after I, I asked the officer, I said, is this a prank? He, he shook his head. Man, I reached up. This guy about six foot seven. I kissed him on the cheek. <laughs> I'm kissing this guy. I'm loving on this officer. I was just so happy, so relieved. They actually pranked us, man. <laughs> but one of the things out of that, one of the things that I never gave them up, never gave them up. In all of that right there, I just couldn't give them up. My thing was, I'm going to take one for the team, man. <laughs> I can't give them a pastor because if I give them up, you know the church going down and we finna close the doors and he going to be in the news and all that stuff. So just kind of never gave him up. You know, the story that I want to talk to you about today is one out of the book of Esther, Esther chapter 4. And it talks a little bit about the story of Esther who was a, a little Jewish girl whose parents had died or passed away. And she was, happened to be uh, living with her uncle, Mordecai. Mordecai was a, a Jew, a devout Jew. And uh, uh, Vashti, the queen of, of uh, the, the, the queen in, in, uh, in Esther's day, uh, was not real nice to her husband and, you know, didn't respect him a whole lot. So King Xerxes wanted to do away with her, and he needed a new wife. So somehow, through this long process, if you read the story, Esther became queen. And uh, it was that a gentleman by the name of Haman, who was in the king's court, like second in command or so in the king's court, wanted to, wanted to get rid of all the Jewish people because of this guy named Mordecai who didn't respect him, who didn't bow to him when he, was, uh, when he had passed by the way. So uh, Haman set up this elaborate plot to... Uh, sometime in the future, in this month called Adair, to just kind of do away with all of the Jews. And, and it, it got him so, he was so distraught that he uh, went to fasting and praying and putting on sackcloth, sackcloth and ashes. And, and he went to Esther, his, nie his uh, niece, and said, listen, you, you've got to talk to your husband, the, the king. And Esther said, there's no way that I'm going to talk to the husband, my husband. Because the law of uh, Medes and Persians said that if I ever go into the king's court without him summonsing me, I'm going to die. And that's where we pick up the story. All the king's servants and all the king's people, uh, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has one law, put all to death, except the one whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. So Esther hadn't been called uh, to go into the king's palace. The king had a ton of wives or a ton of mistresses, and Esther hadn't been called within 30 days. And so she's telling her uncle Mordecai, man, I can't go talk to the king on, on your behalf, you know, to, to stop him from getting ready to, uh, to, to give in to Haman's plot to annihilate, uh, annihilate all the Jews. Go on. So, es so they told Esther these words. And Mordecai uh, told, them to answer, told them to answer Esther. 
Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent, so Mordecai is telling Esther, he's, he's telling Esther through uh, the eunuch or his eunuch, the servant, that Esther, you can't remain silent. If you remain silent at this time, he said deliverance for the Jews is going to come from another place. But in the process of deliverance coming from another place or another person, you're going to die and your household is, is or, uh, everyone in your household is going to die. He said, yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So what, uh, what Mordecai is telling Esther is that, hey man, Esther, you may have been made queen in King Xerxes' kingdom for such a time as this to save all uh, the Jews and, and your family. And so Esther says to him, he says, then Esther told Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. So she says, I'm going to the king, despite he has this law saying that I can't go to him. And she says to him, if I perish, then I perish. So Esther had this in her mind. She said, despite what it's going to look like, kind of like me and Pastor Michael that night, if I got to lose my job, Oh, Lord, I needed that job. I've been trying to get it for the last 15 years. If I, need, if I lose my job, if I have to go to jail, and I was thinking about going to jail that night, and I'm thinking to myself, Lord, just don't shackle me to bubble. You know, I'm thinking to myself. <laughs> if I lose my job, if I have to give up anything just to save this man's life, if I perish, then let me perish. I had a, a text or a, uh, a poet or a, uh, in, our, in, in 2003, this gentleman by the name of Mathis, um, 2003, he said something real prolific. You have that clip right back there? He said, look, if you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it or just let it slip? Real, uh, this poet in 2003 said that, he said, if you had one moment to capture everything in this one moment, would you do it or would you let it slip? The young people in here are laughing because they know what this is. They're all shaking their head and they're nodding. This poet, his name, M.B. Mathers III, his name is Marshall Mathers and he goes by Eminem. I'm just sorry, guy, I just like that quote. <laughs> they get it. That's what the young people, they get it. So if you had one moment, would you, would you capture that moment? Or would you do that thing? Or would you let that opportunity go by you? Hebrews 11, the first chapter, the author here uh, talks about the, the walk of faith or the, the movement of faith. And he says, now, now he says, he's talking about faith. He says, now faith is the substance of things so forth, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of all their distresses. 
and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a place for a dwelling place. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we're surrounded by Pastor Mike and Sister Kelly, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run this race with endurance and this race that is set before us. Mike and Kelly Sainz are a part of this testimony and this great cloud of witnesses that God has placed in our lives as a standard to look at when we're talking about moving in faith. The scriptures, the Bible declares that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. So our lives as we know it, we're still giving testimony to the will of God. Here's what Mike and uh, Sister Kelly did. Mike and Kelly, not knowing anything about kings in Georgia, decided to make a move from God or move for God and move to Claxton, move from Claxton, Georgia to Kingston, Georgia. Kingston wasn't pretty when Mike and Sister Kelly came here. They tell me the church was tore up. They tell me there weren't that many people in here. They tell me that the place, they were in debt. You got those, you got that point there, some of the pictures that, what it looked like. It's, it was lived pretty here when they were working with it, but oh, these boys, Pastor Mike, ooh, that's hard right there. That was his wedding and all that stuff, but they worked hard. They were doing what they needed to do. This is Sister Kelly there on her wedding. They can't she pretty, you know what I mean? They, they were, they were, this is when they had the debt burning. See, the church was in debt like 77 or so, $76,000. And they didn't know how they were going to pay the bills, the rent, or whatever. But God miraculously had somebody to die and made the, and gave the church $76,000 to pay the debt off. Come on, somebody say, but God. Took their young family all the way from Claxton, had the kids on one knee, and you know, if somebody thinks that you make a whole lot of money. Now, this ain't Bishop Jake's ministry. Ain't a whole lot of money made up in here. Pastor Mike, they, you know, they ain't making no ton of money or nothing like that. That's the devil. That's Brother Glenn Warner, just in case y'all want to know. That's, the scriptures say, and Job and the, and the sons of God came up before God, and in the midst of them, there come the devil. That's Glenn Warner right there. Okay, he came with them. But then they got together with the people who were there and they worked hard and they kept doing what they were doing. They, they started out with 30 people and, and it grew. And guess what? They didn't even want to come here. But they came here because God said, if you don't come, I got some folks who can die. I've got some folks who may not make it. I've got some marriages that may not make it. I've got some people who may not make it. I've got somebody with a gun who I see 20 years from now, they're in their 20th year of ministry, who may have had a gun in their mouth in the 18th year, and if you're not there in that time, they may not make it, somebody. Come on, somebody. So God placed and God asked these guys to go for them, and they left, and they made that move, and they went all in with reckless abandon. And let me tell you something. Sister Kelly never told me this, but I know why it is, in case some of you never been there. Sister Shante and I, we were living in uh, uh, Coates, North Carolina, and she wanted to leave me and come back to Georgia. And, and she ain't had no, she said, I'm leaving you. I said, go. <laughs> she had no gas in the car, so she couldn't go. <laughs> no we had to write a check to buy bread Knowing the check will bounce 
and knowing that we had to pay, you know, $29 to cover the bounce check and the bank fees. You ever been there before? You know what I'm saying? See, that's the stuff that they don't tell y'all. You know what I'm saying? And you're doing these things and you're sitting there, Lord, are you sure you spoke to me? God, are you sure it was you? Are you sure it was you? And it was God. And then, and they're growing their families and kids having to go to prom and the kids needing dental work and all that stuff and everything. And they had to deal with all of that and have to deal with high insurances and all that stuff they dealt with. But they went because God told them to go to Kings and Georgia. Wow. Wow, because God told them to go. And they went. And the ministry grew. And it shrunk. And it grew. And it shrunk again. And people left. But they kept on with it because God told them to go ahead and do it. And then about in 2011, they bought this property here, 28 acres. And they put the sign out there. And people said, now they know they ain't got no money to put nothing out there. Talking about the future home of the Harbor Worship Center. What's the Harbor Worship Center anyways? They the kings and church of God. They ain't no Harbor Worship Center. Where they go changing their name to something that they ain't and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? You know how people are. They'll always talk when, yeah. So they kept, they kept on going. And, and y'all remember the sign out there, those of you who are long enough to be around here, you remember the sign on the property and, and, and talking about the future home of Harbor Worship Center? And in my own head, I would say, well, when they can build a harbor? That sign been out there for about five years. They ain't built it yet. But they kept on going because God told them to go and they were decided that they were going to be all in for God. You know what I mean? And so they kept on going and moving and then finally the pro- they, they got the 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 building stuff happened, and, and, and they got the money for the mortgage. Don't know how it happened. God did it. And when they got the, the mortgage payment, it was like, oh, we can't pay this payment. How are we going to pay this payment, Lord? How are we going to do this? But God provided a way to do it. And now, look, we've moved in the space of, span of two years to not just one service, but two services, and getting ready to start a third service. See, here's the deal. Here's where we're at. God is speaking to every one of us, and God has spoken to every one of us about something that it is that we need to do to be all in for him. And, and, and here's, the, here's the, the point or the, the crux of where we're at. See, see, God's still using men and women of God to show us the way. He hadn't stopped. The same God in Genesis is the same God in Revelation. It's the same God in our life. And somewhere in the annals, I love that scripture in the book of Kings and when they talk about the chronicles of the kings and writing down stuff. God writing in heaven the life of Mike and Sister Kelly saying. And somewhere, God is writing in a book the annals of your life. God is saying, what are you doing? What are you doing with that time that I've given you? What are you doing with that moment that I've given you? That thing that I told you to do, I've been trying to tell you to do it, but you just hadn't responded yet. I've been wanting to get you there, but you hadn't gotten there yet. I'm waiting. I'm still patient. I'm waiting on you. You hadn't given your life to Christ yet. You hadn't given your life to my son. Remember, he died for you. He cared for you. He covered you that time when you should have been dead. You should have been in jail. 
He did it. But he's waiting on you. When are you gonna move like this man and woman of God who went all in and you go all in too? What, what are you waiting on? A, a, a special song or a, you know, a special feeling? What, you know, a, 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 a something to get you going? You know what God's looking for? God's looking for men and women of God who will say, I don't care who's beside me. I don't care who's in front of me. I don't care who's saying what. I don't care who's doing what. I'm going all in. I'm going all in. I want to write. See, see, see. Here's what they did. They've, their story and, and, and the, the beginning of it, because we haven't seen the end of it yet, is written in, in this book called H-Track. And you could get to know a little bit about their story. Where's the story of your life written at? Huh? What are your grandchildren and children going to say about you? Are they going to say, my grandpa and mama went all in? They went all in? Man, they're seeing their grandkids come to know Jesus Christ. Look, look, see, 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 here's what's so powerful. We needed a place to go to serve and be a part of ministry. And my wife and I said, there she is, come here, baby. One of the things I said is that we said we wanted to be in a ministry where our children could come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. In the part of their sins. And, and, and our children, they come to DSM. They love DSM. We got a son, Christopher, who works in ministry. Christopher used to make not good grades at all, until Christopher started coming to the harbor. Yes, he did. He's one of our smartest kids, but wouldn't, I mean, wasn't motivated, wasn't anything, just didn't like it. Didn't like school. He started coming to the harbor, and you know how we get him to do his work? We tell him you can't go to DSM. Huh? That joke would get to doing his work. He getting to doing it right up, he getting to doing it now. He's so motivated, he just does it. Straight A student. Beta Club. But most importantly, they have all decided to make the Lord Jesus the Lord of their life. They got baptized here. They're serving in ministry. They're working in ministry because of the, the, what this man and woman of God, because of their obedience to go all in. I'm blessed. My relationship with her ain't as, 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 as good. It wasn't that good when I first came here, but you won't ever know that. See, it's the secret stuff y'all wouldn't say. Come on now, I ain't got time. Some of y'all knew y'all were in a bad place, but for the the, 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 the fact that they went all in, man, what a testimony. I got a challenge for you today. Who is willing to go all in today? Despite what is around you, or what it looks like, or what it may appear to be, or what, it, it, listen, I'm not saying that things gonna be right all the time, and this gonna be hunky-dory and you live on a, a bed of road. No, man, that ain't it. But one thing God will give you is peace in the middle of your stuff. Oh, my God. 
Give you peace in the middle of your stuff. Anyone willing to go all in today? Come on, just anyone willing to go all in? You know what I mean? Just all in. It's no matter what it looks like, no matter how bad it gets you. You want to go all in? God, well, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I will do whatever you want me to do. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Let's stand. We're going we're gonna to do this a little differently. And not so much as a, an altar call or anything. But I'm going to ask Pastor Josh if he would come and Pastors Mike and Kelly Sainz if they would stand right here and stand before uh, us. If this man of God and this woman of God has been a blessing to you, just come on out and let them know. Just right where you're at, come on out and let them know. Just come on out. Just let them know.